class is calling on reserve energy. Class is the ability to overcome any number of challenges during a race. Class doesn't mean you never get tired, but it does mean you never show it. Class doesn't mean you're not tempted to quit sometimes, but it does mean you never actually do. And in the final yards of a race, class makes the difference. This is an extremely important element of strong character. I also suspect that in recent years we've overlooked the importance of perseverance to some extent because we believe so strongly in talent as the true determinant of success. Perseverance means you never quit. Procrastination usually means you never get started. Although I consider the inability to finish something to be a form of procrastination. I'm a perfectionist. Everything has to be just right before I can get down to work. No distractions, not too much noise, no telephone calls interrupting me. And of course I have to be feeling well physically too. I can't work when I have a headache. The other end of procrastination, being unable to finish, also has a perfectionist explanation. I'm just never satisfied. I'm my own harshest critic. If all the I's aren't dotted and all the T's aren't crossed, I just can't consider that I'm done. That's just the way I am, and I'll probably never change. Do you see what's going on here? A fault is being turned into a virtue. The perfectionist is saying that his standards are just too high for this world. This fault into virtue syndrome is a common defense when people are called upon to discuss their weaknesses. But in the end, it's just a very pious kind of excuse making. The basis of procrastination could be fear of failure. That's what extreme perfectionism really is once you take a hard look at it. What's the difference whether you're afraid of being less than perfect or afraid of anything else? You're still paralyzed by fear. What's the difference whether you never start or never finish? You're still stuck. You're still going nowhere. You're still overwhelmed by whatever task is before you. You're still allowing yourself to be dominated by a negative vision of the future in which you see yourself being criticized or laughed at or punished or ridden out of town on a rail. Of course, this negative vision of the future is really a mechanism that allows you to do nothing. It's a very convenient mental tool. I'm going to show you how to turn procrastination into perseverance. 
I'm going to be very specific about how you can do this. A moment ago, I referred to a negative vision of the future as a mental tool for inactivity. If you've been using that tool, I'm going to ask you to toss it aside and start using two other very powerful principles that foster productivity and perseverance instead of passivity and procrastination. The first principle is break it down. No matter what you're trying to accomplish, whether it's writing a book or climbing a mountain or painting a house, the key to achievement is your ability to break down the task into manageable pieces and knock them off one at a time. Focus on accomplishing what's right in front of you at this moment and ignore what's off in the distance someplace. Substitute real-time positive thinking for negative future visualization. That's the first all-important technique for bringing an end to procrastination. Suppose I were to ask you if you could write a 400-page novel. If you're like most people, that would be an impossible task. Yes, somebody must have written the book that you see in your mind's eye, but that person surely wasn't you. But suppose I ask you a different question. Suppose I ask if you can write a page and a quarter a day for one year. Do you think you could do it? Now the task is starting to seem more manageable. We're breaking down the 400-page book into bite-sized pieces. But even so, I suspect many people would still find the prospect intimidating. Do you see why? Writing a page and a quarter may not seem so bad, but you're being asked to look ahead one whole year. When people start to look that far ahead, many of them automatically go into a negative mode. So let me formulate the idea of writing a book in yet another way. Let me break it down even more. Suppose I were to ask you, can you fill up a page and a quarter with words, not for a year, not for a month, not even for a week, but just today? Don't look any further ahead than that. Do you think you can do it? One day at a time, you've probably heard that phrase, that's what we're doing here. We're breaking the time required for a major task down into one-day segments. Keep this up for one year, and you'll write the book. Discipline yourself to look neither forward nor backward, and you can accomplish things you never thought you could possibly do. Then all you have to do is persevere. Procrastination won't be a problem because the task is now so small that fear won't kick in. And it all begins with those three words, break it down. My second technique for defeating procrastination is also only three words long. The three words are, write it down.
Instead of describing the things that you want to do or the places you want to go, you're going to describe what you actually do with your time. And you're going to keep a written record of the places you actually go. In other words, you're going to keep a diary of your activities and you're going to be amazed by the distractions, detours, and downright waste of time that you come up with during the course of a day. All of these get in the way of achieving your goals. For many people, it's almost like they planned it that way, and maybe at some unconscious level, they did. It forces you to see what you're actually doing and what you're not doing. And you should keep this up for at least a week. You don't have to do anything else at all. It's just a process for making yourself aware of how you actually spend your time. You will naturally and effortlessly begin to reorganize your life. Perhaps that seems like too much to believe, but it's true. When you're forced to write down the fact that you hung out at the coffee machine for 15 minutes today, you'll think twice about doing that again tomorrow. When you've got to put it in writing that you worked on an important project for 30 minutes today and then took a break to read the newspaper, you'll persevere a little longer on the project tomorrow and forget about the newspaper. Break it down, write it down. This is how you put an end to procrastination. This is how you get yourself started. But how do you keep going? How do you keep your motivation consistently high? How do you learn to persevere when the novelty is worn off and you're still some distance from your goal? The Irish poet William Butler Yeats once wrote a poem describing some of the unfortunate characteristics of the modern world. One of the things Yeats noticed was the fact that bad people seem to have the most energy, while good people become discouraged and doubtful of their own abilities. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are filled with a passionate intensity. Those are the words Yeats used. And it's true that we can look around the world and see all sorts of things happening that we might wish were not happening. And there are people working very hard to make those things happen for reasons that we might not admire. And when we see that, it's easy to start saying, what's the use? What hope do I really have? Why don't I just give up on all the things I've been trying to accomplish and just start taking it easy? Even people of strong character feel that way sometimes. All of us have moments like that. That's when perseverance gets really, really tough. What's the answer? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? What do you want to see? What do you want to have? Where do you want to go? With whom do you want to share? In other words, who are you working for besides yourself? Who is depending on you? Who will benefit if you persevere and succeed? Who will suffer if you give up and stop trying? 
I'm scared. The world is full of bad things. That's why I have to become stronger. Who can you reach out to and help once you've achieved your goals? The world's not a dark place. That's a lie. If you have a family, your spouse and your children are depending on you. Perhaps even your parents are depending on you now, if they're elderly and require some care. But even if you're a single person or just starting out in your career, you can think of reasons to persevere and succeed that go beyond your personal needs. This sharing doesn't have to be limited to money either. If your work has given you certain skills, you can share your time and your abilities. You can and you should. But even this isn't putting it strongly enough. It isn't just that you'll do better if you feel you're working for others in addition to yourself. You absolutely must find reasons outside yourself to persevere if you want to keep going when the going gets tough. Hemingway wrote, a man alone hasn't got a chance. And that doesn't mean only that you need people to help you in life. It means also that you need people you can help. You need people who can become the real reasons for perseverance above and beyond your material possessions or your financial success. What's in it for me can only take you so far. What's in it for somebody besides me can take you as far as you need to go. In the last days of World War II, the American cruiser Indianapolis was sunk by an enemy submarine. This was one of the most tragic incidents of the war for American forces, in which hundreds of men lost their lives. Many who made it through the initial attack had to spend days and nights in the water before rescuers arrived. The experience of trying to stay alive in the water was so overwhelming that many people simply gave up. In fact, the survivors reported later that virtually everyone wanted to give up at one time or another. But whenever someone wanted to quit trying, the others would talk to him about the people back home who needed him, who were depending on him to survive. And if there was no one who was depending on him right then, they would talk about people in the future who would someday be needing him people he hadn't met yet, people who hadn't even been born yet. This motivation beyond the self was the only motivation that was strong enough. Some of us are hungry for wealth and power. Some of us are hungry for truth. Some people want everyone to love them. Others want everyone to fear them. But there's a fundamental challenge with all these appetites. None of them can ever be permanently satisfied. When it comes to wanting things, there's never any such thing as enough.
You get a new car, but in a couple of years, it's an old car. You get a new computer. It does everything real fast, certainly faster than the one your neighbor's got. But then a year goes by, and now your neighbor gets a computer that's even faster than yours. Where does it all end? There's really only one kind of person who's actually comfortable with the impossibility of satisfying his appetites. This is the person who wants that mysterious commodity called wisdom, whatever that is, and wants it more than all the cars and computers in the world. Wisdom, like the learning capacity of the human brain, is infinite. There will always be more to know, and there will always be plenty of room in your brain for everything you learn. Life is a paradise, really, if you're a person who genuinely wants wisdom,